Welcome into another episode of Collegiate Chaos Podcast on the Testudo Times Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Sam Ostry, alongside my co-host, Ben Dixon. Matt Levine's not here again today. We will get him back on the show eventually, though. He's a busy, busy man. Ben, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. Can't wait to get Matt back, but obviously he's got some uh, some things to take care of there with the baseball team. Absolutely. Off to a great start. It's Wednesday, February 23rd. Usually we record on Tuesdays. Sometimes it might be Wednesdays based on our schedule, but we're still here and we have a lot to get to. A lot has happened in the college basketball world. Maybe the most talk, maybe college basketball has been the most talked about than it has in a long time. Maybe for the wrong reasons, maybe for the right reasons, but there's been a lot of tension surrounding college basketball recently. We're going to start with some Maryland basketball talk. Uh, Maryland's now won two straight games after dropping five straight. Obviously, they've been playing not, not great teams, teams that they're more talented than. They were favored in these games. They should win. They beat Nebraska last Friday night, and they come come away with a home win against Penn State. Um, there's really not much to take away from, from these two games. You know, the better teams, they won. They're now 13-14. and 14. They have four games remaining. Indiana on Thursday. What do, what do we think is going to happen in this Indiana game? Um, I think you're going to see a desperate team in Indiana, a team that's now squarely on the bubble after losing five straight. They're kind of in that consensus last four in range, whether it's, you know, the bracket matrix that takes in every single bracketologist or even – uh, the all trusted Joe Lenardi, who uh, who has him, and I think in their last four in could be wrong there, but uh, yeah, Indiana's kind of free falling a little bit. Maryland looks like it should be a great rebound spot for them. Uh, we'll kind of see. Obviously, they had some suspensions with some, some extracurricular stuff. Well, but. it's interesting too because we don't know exactly what happened with those. It was kind of undisclosed disciplinary reasons, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's whenever there's a suspension or an injury, but it wasn't just it, one guy. It was I think no, five it was guys. Like five yeah. guys. Let's... But and the thing is, Mike Woodson might have thought at that moment with Indiana, he's like, all right, like let me send a message to the guys. Maybe they'll turn their season around. It's done the complete opposite. Yeah, and I mean, like, it, I don't know exactly what they did. If it, it was, it must have had to be, have been pretty egregious at that point in time, but. Yeah, so so like Indiana's now lost five straight. Their last win was actually against Maryland on January 29th. That was the last time Indiana won a game, and now they're here playing Maryland six games later, um, and they haven't won the entire month of February. So yeah, you're right. This is going to be a very desperate Indiana team at home. Maryland's been much better playing teams the second time around this year, except Iowa, where they obviously got demolished. But they've, they've won a few of those games second time around, like Illinois. But this is going to be a desperate Indiana team. I, I don't know if, if Maryland's going to get this done. Yeah, I don't think they'll get it done uh, by any means. I think it will be interesting. Hopefully, Maryland plays them a little better just for you know competitive watching purposes because that first game around was was a really tough watch. Maryland jumped off to, what was it, an 8-0 lead, and yeah. then Indiana ripped off a big run of their own, and then the game was just a blowout from that point forward. So hopefully we see Maryland a little bit more competitive tomorrow night. And I think we will because Fats I, I, Russell has well, been Fats has been awesome. Amazing. Yeah. And it's really amazing to watch because like he really he, he knows that he has very limited college basketball games left. He's had a, an amazing college basketball career. It's coming to a close and he has just been playing phenomenal ball, playing his heart out and he's he's been the heart of this team and the offense is he's been the best player on offense. Yeah, we talked about this uh either last week or the week before, kinda how Fats Russell came and obviously committed to play for Turgeon and then committed to play with all these star players and he's kind of had to kind of take on the role of the guy um him and him and EA I guess Dante Scott sometimes but Fats I mean he's, he's a guy who's you can tell he's proud to wear Maryland across his chest he said that multiple yep. times and he just leaves it out on the floor um every time he steps on it so it, it hasn't been the best season overall for the team but he's been one guy who it's been enjoyable to watch because Absolutely. he takes pride in wearing that averaging 20 point. averaging 20 plus points over his last four games it's impressive so that's been great all right so now um so Women's basketball, Maryland women's basketball, they had an eight-game win streak. They were playing phenomenal. They might have captured that one seed. They 
they lost their last game against Michigan, where it looks unlikely they're going to get the Big Ten um, regular season title and get that one seed in the Big Ten. They do have a game against Indiana, a revenge game Friday night. You think they're going to win that? And they can't win the title outright, but do they still have a chance to win in the tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's so many scenarios because there's, there's four or five teams at the top there. Maryland can finish as high as not one anymore because they can't win outright. Um but they can finish down to, to five. It's going to be really tough. Uh, Indiana gave them a hard time the first time around. Uh, one of Diamond Miller's first games back went to OT. I do like Maryland at home Friday night in a revenge situation. I don't think Indiana was necessarily better than Maryland the first two times they met, and even Maryland uh, stumbling to Michigan last time around. Still playing kind of their best basketball of the season, and we'll kind of hopefully see that from them Friday night. And, so you're uh, saying you think Maryland's going to win I think Maryland's going to win Friday night, secure that top four spot, and uh, whatever happens, happens from there. All right. Well, no one knows better than you, so we'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's, it's at home Friday night, right? Uh, yep, eight o'clock Friday night, right at the Xfinity Center. It should be. It should be a good environment. All right. Now we're gonna get to the thing that everyone has been talking about in the college basketball world: the Juwan Howard situation, the Wisconsin-Michigan brawl that took place this past Sunday. Um, obviously, it's we're a few days removed. Removed. The penalties have been in order. Juwan Howard is suspended for five games, which is the rest of the regular season. He will be eligible to coach in the Big Ten tournament. And if they make the NCAA tournament then, Phil Martelli, the associate head coach who had a long career as the head coach at St. Joe's, he's going to be taking over head coaching duties. This was a wild brawl. There's a lot. There's so many angles oh to get. There's gosh. so many angles to get to. The one thing I won't, we were, we are 100% not going to talk about is if we should do handshake lines. Because that's a ridiculous thing that people even brought up. And it's just sports talk shows started talking about it. And Tom Izzo went on ran about it. It's not even a question. We're not going to talk about that. But what did you what did you make of... What was your initial reaction when you saw that fight? Well, I was I was covering the... Uh, or preparing to cover the Maryland game, uh, the women's game against Michigan, when I, I was able to watch at halftime. And it was just kind of like, what in the world just happened with Jawan Howard? Because... As Maryland fans know, this wasn't the first. It was the first incident that got physical. It wasn't his first incident where yeah, you know so he not. tried to to go after another coach. And basically, what what I've kind of gathered is it's it's unacceptable for to be a coach, to be a leader of young men, to kind of put your hands on another Absolutely. guy in that environment, or technically anywhere, but uh, in, <laughs> that, in, in that, that in that environment especially. So completely unacceptable. I think the the punishment was appropriate there. Obviously, what led up to it. You know, Greg Gard had his had his backups in. Uh, Michigan was pressing, so he called a timeout. Didn't didn't want his his guy backups to get a turnover. Yeah, that's the most. Yeah, it, it it seemed kind of like a like a petty like back and forth between yeah, the two, but it didn't it didn't need to come to that. Absolutely not, because look, like yeah, I get not calling a timeout, but you were pressing your guys. So like if when you, when he in the line and he says don't effing um like or I'll, I'll effing remember that. That's what Juwan Howard yeah. said to Greg Gard as he was walking by. But like, why is Juwan Howard pissed in the first place? You were pressing your backups. So yeah, he, he has the right to call a timeout, even with 10, sec, 10, 15 seconds left, whatever it was. And that's what escalated it. Then Greg Gard obviously wanted to get his attention, wanted to have a conversation with him, grabbed his arm a little bit. Juwan Howard gripped him up by the shirt. Yep. He was not having it. And But like, okay, and that, that can happen. Coaches can beef. Juwan Howard is a little bit of a temper. What happened after that is everyone gets in the middle. And Juwan Howard, who knows what was said by that Wisconsin assistant coach, but he just took a punch slap whatever yeah, whatever he, did. he, he grabbed his head basically he swung. <laughs> yeah. and and that's one thing but then the players start throwing punches that never ex- escalates to the players getting involved unless Juwan Howard throws that first punch yeah actually I think the Michigan players got off uh, a little bit light what was it uh, Musa Diabate only got yeah, one, one game, game and he was, game. he was he was he was throwing a couple punches um I know it's I think it's a one game minimum for that but 
it's it was just an ugly scenario, bad for college basketball. We're not going to get into the handshake line, in my opinion. That that should never be yeah. done away with, but won't get into that. Uh, just a just a really ugly situation. I think the punishment for Jawan Howard is appropriate. I think it maybe could have gone into the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, people are talking about firing him. That's definitely a, a stretch there, in my opinion. But um, no, I I agree that it's a stretch. I think there were are coaches in the country who would have been fired for that because like that that was we haven't seen something like that in college basketball, especially from a coach. Yeah. In God knows how. Well, long. yeah. I think I think the thing was it was it was also another grown man. If he if he somehow did that to a player, he would have been uh, done on the spot. He, uh, yeah. he would have never coached yeah. a, a basketball yeah. game for the rest of his life. That would have been <laughs> even more ridiculous. But but yeah. But so I think so I think the punishment was like I don't have a problem with. That. I don't think he should have been fired. I agree with that. Even though I do think there were there could be coaches around the country who would have been fired from that. Warren like Michigan Michigan guys like Juwan Howard is obviously. But I do. I would have liked to see him suspended for the rest of the season, like not just the regular season. Even if whatever they do in the playoffs, I would have liked him to see spe- to see him suspended for the rest of the season. Because I mean, like you, just, you can't throw a punch. Like I don't know what was said, and he didn't even. The thing, and another re- thing is, he showed no remorse and didn't even apologize in the post game. It was that was that was. I thought forced, that, he, he yeah. was forced to after with the statement, which he probably didn't even write. But in the well, the, sta- the statement was a joke. The statement was a joke. He didn't even spell the yeah. assistant coach's name right. Joel. He called him Joel. His name is Joe. Um, did he even? I don't even think he mentioned Greg Gard in the, in the statement. I don't believe so. Uh, it was it was a just a really poorly handled situation, just from Jawan Howard's per, uh, and from Michigan's PR and and just uh, to kind of reverse that a little bit and talk about Wisconsin's end. You got to love Wisconsin's athletic department, their athletic director being like, hey, we'll, we'll pay the $1,000 fine As for Greg Gard. 10000 Or whatever it was. But you got to gotta love uh, them defending their guy who, you know, could be the Big Ten coach of the year. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Greg Gard guy, but we, we can talk about that another time. But Yeah, I mean, look, like he... That, he, that he also, that also has nothing wrong. to do with, with what just happened, but yeah. <laughs> just, just, just a little side just, note. Yeah. But he didn't... He, but yeah, you're right. Like, he, he didn't do anything. Like, maybe he shouldn't have grabbed him up when... Juwan Howard was doing a little blow by handshake, but still, like he, he didn't yeah. do anything that bad. He shouldn't have been fined at all, I don't think. But it is what it is. Um, you know, the only thing that you can really take away is Juwan Howard is two strikes. You know, like he needs his temper cannot get like that again, and he cannot explode like that. Like he, one more incident happens like that, whether it's He's physical gone. or not, because he berates refs too. I mean, not that like other coaches in the Big Ten don't like Tom Izzo, but like he Tom berates, Izzo headbutted a ref. Yeah. <laughs> but he berates refs, so like. Um, one more incident like that, and I don't know how he's coaching at Michigan. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, hopefully, it's a learning lesson for him, and we don't have to ever have to talk about this again. Yeah, so there's the Juwan Howard talk. You know, he'll be suspended for five games. We won't see him the rest of the regular season. Phil Martelli is more than qualified to, oh, to lead the team. Um, so legend. we'll see what he does because, you know, they're, they're like right there on the bubble, too. I don't think they're going to make the tournament at this point unless they somehow turn around and go on a big run. But, you know, that they were on the yeah. bubble. That was a big loss for them, honestly. It could have been a big opportunity to we'll, beat Michigan. Yeah, we'll, beat we'll talk about that later. Potentially a uh, game where they can knock out another bubble team. Yeah, yeah. so we'll get to that later. So now we're going to first go to a Tuesday recap, you know, break down all the games from Tuesday, some big ones. A huge game. The game of the night Tuesday was number 21 UConn um, playing at home against number 8 Villanova. UConn wins 71-69. to The first thing to get to is this game is in the first half, um, Hurley is ejected. You know, he's he gets a tech. And then he's riling up his fans. You know, he's a very emotional, energetic, passionate guy on the sidelines. We've seen that. He gets tossed. But UConn somehow, so we can talk about that. And then there's another incident where the refs play. Late in the game, um, I believe UConn was up by two. Con Gillespie's driving down the lane. 
he goes in. It's there's Yukon um, Con Gillespie, excuse me, is called for a charge. So it's Yukon's ball, and it's pretty much game over from there. Uh, what did you think about the ejection, and what did you think about that charge call? Because I've watched that a bunch of times, and I, I my mind still isn't made up. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start with the ejection there. Uh, obviously, Maryland fans know. Uh, Dan Hurley from back in November 2015. Maryland played Rhode Island in Cancun, and he got into a whole big screaming match with with Turge and the Maryland staff and the players. That was that was bad. Obviously, I'm I'm a big Dan Hurley guy as a coach. He's but awesome. He's he's awesome coach, awesome energy. You want that guy on your side, and I think that I think my tweet last night was erroneous ejection of Dan Hurley. Um, it, was, it was a joke. I understand the first technical to give him a second after that. Like, come on, like, well, he's it's just the ref's trying, ego. It's, it's the ref's it's ego. Be, well, I think. I think it might have been Rob Dowster who tweeted it. One of the, like a head coach was like texting people being like, "Yeah, like I forget the ref's name, but that was like the biggest ego. Like he's such a joke. Like he's he's the biggest expletive in the sport." I mean, sport. like he's not even he didn't say anything to you. I saw Dan Hurley after the, when he after he got ejected, he was definitely throwing some f words around in, in, the, in the ref's directions. But he was like he didn't say anything to the ref for that second technical. He was talking to his fan base. He wanted the energy from them. I, like I don't get how it could possibly. It be didn't make sense. It did not make sense to me at all. Uh, let me try and find the tweet here from yeah, so, from the head coach. But in 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 the meantime, uh, talking just about, about that. Oh, here we go. Text I just got from a head coach. James Breeding is the biggest expletive out there. For James Breeding was the ref who ejected him. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, well, I guess people share similar sentiments with him. Yeah. But so then, then, we'll, then it's a great game. You know, this was an awesome, awesome Big game. East matchup. We were watching it together. We were talking about how excited we are for this Big East tournament because it's going to be electric. Um, but Villanova was up by four with, like, less than a minute to go. They, uh, Caleb Daniels misses two free throws. That would have pretty much put the game away. And you, UConn hit, you know, UConn comes back in the game and obviously eventually wins it. But it, a lot of it comes down to that charge call on Con Gillespie. When I, I, I thought... It's such a hard call, but I thought he was not set at all. And, like, it's such a bang-bang play, and I get it. Refs sometimes get charge-happy, especially in a big moment. But it was such a bang-bang play. I thought he was moving. Like, I thought his feet weren't set. So I didn't love the charge call. I thought Con Glassby should have got two free throws with the block. But it was a charge call. What did you think of that? Well, first off, I just want to say, obviously, you said Villanova was up by multiple possessions. Lead. Villanova did choke. They choked. Game. It was a bad yeah, loss for Villanova. And back to, you know... Great shot by R.J. Cole. Kind of love the player he's turned in for two for UConn after transferring from Howard. But um, looking at that charge call at the time, it, it, I really didn't think it was a charge because he, I mean, he got over. He didn't really didn't really seem to be set. Um, so I, I I do think it was a block. I think it's a really tough call for the ref to make at that point in the game. But at the same time, it also looked like the ref was calling charge as soon as he, yeah, he came over. The like the ref, the ref was selling that call to the crowd. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously that calls in the past, uh, I do think it was a block, not a charge. Uh, I think the charge call in college basketball in general is a little, little overblown kind of play to the crowd a little bit. Uh, I think there's more blocks that are called charges yeah. I mean, that's than charges that are called blocks. Yeah. But regardless, great win for UConn. I think it's a, it's a great moment for the big East with UConn being back there, um, getting that win fan storm in the court. Ranked questionable court storm, ranked versus ranked yeah. matchup. Yeah, well, <laughs> long term rivalry. But they, but they, they hadn't beat Villanova since 2014. It was, it was, it was a so, great win, yeah. great moment for UConn, and just kind of, I feel like that environment, that moment towards the end of the game, kind of encapsulated what the Big East has been this year and what we are looking forward to in the Big East tournament in a couple of weeks. 
Yeah, and like, like we said, you know, this was a game that Villanova, they weren't supposed to win. They were underdogs, but they had a chance to win up late, and they and they completely blew it. Villanova choked in that game. And it really, and it, it's never fun when you, the officials become the topic of conversation for such a great Big East basketball game. But my, like, I don't know. I'm not sold on, and we'll get to it late and later and later shows, but I'm not sold on this Villanova team. Like, this is a game you Neither need to close I. out on the road in a hostile environment when you're not supposed to lead when you're not supposed to win. Like, this just makes me feel like, you know, Nova could easily win the Big East, but this makes me feel like this Nova team could be an early out in the NSA tournament. Yeah, it really, really is questionable. That We talked about the depth being a, a, a huge major problem. concern for, for Villanova. And Gillespie's banged up. He needs to play so let's, many minutes. Let's, let's, let's say Gillespie. Team. When Gillespie's on the bench, that team really struggles offensively. Even that, let's say let's say he tweaks his ankle a little bit, and he's, he's he can only play twenty minutes a game. Yeah, you, you trust you trust Slater with the ball in his yeah. hands down the stretch. Caleb Daniels, like Chris Archie Dak, yeah, any some, any of these guys, minutes. like and even even down low, like I'm I think we talked about Eric Dixon growing leaps and bounds for Villanova. If Villanova gets a tough matchup in first or second round against Absolutely. an elite big man, who knows what happens there? So it'll be interesting. The big. Obviously, right now in the Big East, Providence and Villanova technically tied for first. Providence twelve and two in the conference. Villanova fourteen and four. So Providence obviously two games back in the win column, but two games up in the loss column. It's really weird with COVID. Um, teams not kind of playing the same amount of games in conference yeah. anymore with canceled games. But uh, the Big East really excited to see how that turns out yeah, down the stretch. It's gonna and be an awesome just, tournament. Just a great moment last night. It's gonna be an awesome tournament at MSG. Um, now another big game from last night wasn't near as close or as good of a game. But number 25, Iowa, who's playing phenomenal basketball, um, they're a tournament team, no question. Um, they beat Michigan State by 26 points. And this Michigan State team is not a typical Tom Izzo team. They do not defend no. well. They do not rebound well. This Michigan State team looks like complete frauds. At one point when you thought they, they might contend in the Big Ten, they have been really struggling. This was just an absolute blowout. Ohio, um, Iowa had control the entire time. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Michigan State uh, now lost five of their last six. Not a, not a good ball club right now. Kind of who is the star player on that team, which is kind of, you know, up in the air. Who's going to do what? Tyson Walker, obviously coming from Northeastern, has been really inconsistent at the point guard spot. Mm -hmm. Great game against Illinois uh, last week. capable of exploding capable any exploding, moment, but they, they lost that game too. Yeah. So, that wasn't because of him, but no, definitely but it's not. The, it's the consistency. That, but he was the reason why they they were in it for so absolutely, long. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm really just not a fan of this Michigan State team. Not a typical Izzo team. And obviously, people say January, February, Izzo, April, like as an Izzo being March. But yeah, I'm, maybe I, that's people. That's not me. I I I am not a believer in this John Michigan. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not a believer in this Michigan State team. I'm gonna. I've been saying that for a while. I'm gonna go on the record now and say that. But on the other side. I think Iowa is a team, you know, people were overlooking in the preseason, and now they're ranked. They struggled with some in the Big oh, 10 in the early start of conference play, but they, their offense looks incredible there. And, yeah, honestly, and I think it's going to be a case where they might be a little bit underseeded by the time the tournament comes because, you know, they only have one quad win. They don't yeah. have any bad losses, but they don't really have too many signature wins. But they could easily Oh, they, 100%. 100%. But even with that, it's it's... It's February 23rd. You have the rest of the regular season and then the Big Ten tournament to get those wins. But looking at the whole body of your work, it, it, I, I kind of get the vibe that this team's going to be seated a little bit lower than the level that they're playing at by the time March comes around. Yeah, well, when people say, like, it's it's like Tom Izzo, March is Tom Izzo, Tom Izzo is March, you know, number one, he hasn't had as much March success as some people might think. Obviously, he's a, he's a legendary The last coach. Big Ten team to win a title is Maryland, and they weren't even in the conference. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But but so yeah, but but usually when he does have that more success, his teams in late February are not losing five of six games. Like that's not a Tom Izzo Michigan no, State not team. At all. So this team is not I do not expect this team to go on some late run in the Big East tournament into the NSA tournament where they're gonna shock some teams and make a run. This this just isn't a Michigan State team that's hard nosed that that we're accustomed to and, and they're struggling because of it. Absolutely. And uh just just wanted to shout out I was uh, Keegan Murray who's uh, going to be a lottery pick, going to be up there in the Big Ten Player of the Year conversation with Johnny Davis. But uh, via Evan Mia Cow on Twitter, really good platform, EvanMia.com, M-I-Y-A.com. Really good analytics there. But his stat is uh, Keegan Murray is the only player over the last 20 years to average 23 points, 8 rebounds, while shooting over 56% from the field. What this guy is doing at the college basketball level is unbelievable. He's a freak of an athlete. Uh, we were fortunate to see him in person when Iowa destroyed yeah, we Maryland were, at the Xfinity Center. 30. I, he, I mean, he is a really good player, and if, if he takes over a game, look out. Yeah, so, you know, those were the Tuesday games. Those were the two big ones, obviously. UConn just edges out Villanova, and Iowa dominates Michigan State. Now we're going to get to our favorite segment. You know, we started last week. It's called Fraud or For Real. We're going to go through three teams, and we're going to decide if we think they're for real, where they can make a real run in, in March Madness, or we think they're frauds and they could be an early out. Um, the first one is the Houston, obviously a Final Four team last year, 22-4, and four, number four in the net, number seven in Ken Palm, but they have zero quad one wins. They are first in their conference, obviously not a Power Five conference, but they have zero quad one, quad one wins. Do you think Houston are some frauds or for real? I think you have to look at it from a relative standpoint. Obviously, 22-4 and four is incredible. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's an unbelievable coach, what he's yes. done with that program. But you kind of look at the team, uh, Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser have both been out with injuries for, for an extended period of time. It's kind of, you know, is this a team that can do damage without them? Probably, probably not. Probably not. Um, Marcus Sasser was one of the best guards in the country last year when Houston went to the Final Four. But there's a reason, you know, Houston 0-3 quad one, obviously not a lot of opportunities. The next team in the net with zero quad one wins is Virginia Tech, and they're mm-hmm. 41. So it, it, it's kind of remarkable to see. I think I saw a stat earlier, I forget who said it, that uh, I think Houston has zero quad one wins in the top 10 of the net, and I think every other uh, top 10 net team has at least five quad one wins. So really interesting uh, point there. I'm a believer in Houston maybe to win a couple of games in the tournament, but I don't think they're the Final Four team that we saw last year. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I absolutely don't think. I think that was a special one they went on, and I think they could very well. I'm not sure exactly where they're going to be seated, like like maybe on the three or four line. Like, What do you think? I don't think they, they can it's, get a one or two. How could you possibly give them that? I, I think if, if they somehow if – they, if, I think if they – best case, if they win out, they'll probably be a two seed. It's um, tough to get. Just it's tough their, to get their, that team their net, little, their net, and Ken Palm are so good though. That's that's the only thing. Yeah, Even, but with that little quality wins, where like you like that team is bound. I to know, get I know. They they'll have some. I mean, they have a couple opportunities down the stretch. They can get some vengeance on SMU this Sunday. SMU beat them um, a couple weeks back, and then they can get some vengeance on Memphis in the last game of the season. They've lost at home to Memphis. How great a win is Memphis? <laughs> It'll. Be, I mean, it's a quarter one yeah. on the road, but it's. Yeah, I. I know. I probably see him as as a three or four yeah. seed, like you said. But I think this is a team that you know if they get hot, you never know. Calvin Sampson's a great coach, so yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. I just don't think this team is near as talented as their final four one team last year, and I think they easily could be. Um, I don't think they're going to make it into the second weekend, so I'm going to say frauds, and I think we both are saying frauds for there. Then we're going to go to UCLA, the UCLA Bruins. They're twenty and five, number thirteen in the net, number ten in Ken Palm. They've won three in a row, some quality ones. 
quality wins, but they've had an up and down season. They've gone through stretches of really struggling. What, what do we think about UCLA? They had a huge win over Villanova in the beginning of the season, but that was months ago. What do you think about? Yeah, this is UCLA this is a team? team I'm so like unbelievably back and forth on. Is it the, is it is season. it the Final Four team we saw last year? Is it the team? That's kind of not not the team we saw in the regular season last year, but kind of somewhere in between that because obviously UCLA is I think a consensus top fifteen team in the country at the least. Um, I am going to say UCLA, kind of that middle ground again. I don't think they're for real. I don't think this team makes the Final Four again, um, but I also don't think they're fraudulent. I think this is a second weekend team, one that loses in either the Sweet Sixteen or the Elite Eight, depending on what draw they get. Um, I think Johnny Juzang's a great player. I think uh, Jaime Hawkins is a great player. I think Mick Cronin's a great coach. So I think they have the pieces if they get hot to make a run. I wouldn't be shocked if they get back to the Final Four. But I'm going to go somewhere in that middle ground where, you know, they lose in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, which, you know, would be fraud considering the expectations yeah. they had going into the season. Yeah, that's what I was going to touch on, the expectations, because they, they definitely have the pieces because they have the talent. I mean, they were a top, I think they were number two overall. Right? Were they behind Gonzaga, number two, going into the in the preseason? Yep. Eight people? Yeah. So, like, this was a team that was and some some regarded. teams had them. Some people had them number one. Yeah. So, it was highly regarded. Of course, it's a big part because Johnny Juzang, who, who's a baller. But, you know, this team was highly regarded. So, they had the talent to make that run. But I don't – and I'm not going to say they're frauds necessarily, but I don't see this team really going into making a Final Four run. And we talk about, you know, like, it's – we talk about Houston, UCLA, two Final Four teams last year. It's really hard. Unless you're one of these top, top programs, it's really hard to replicate, um, you know, those Final Four magical runs kind of that they went on last year. So I think both these teams, are they don't have what it takes to make that Final Four run. But I don't think UCLA is necessarily fraud, but I don't see them going all the way. Right, just, just fraudulent compared to what the preseason expectations were. I think I think that's fair to say. Yeah. No, no, I agree, yeah. So the third team we're going to do is the Texas Longhorns. Um, they're 19 and 8, number 15 in the net, number 14 in Ken Palm. Um, it's really interesting the teams that the net favors. Like it, sometimes you're just looking like where are their quality wins? Like the eye test doesn't show it, but the net obviously has them high. They're only five and seven in quad one. Don't have a single quad three, um, quad, quad three or four loss. So they've been perfect there. But they're only five and seven in quad one. Um, obviously playing in a tough, tough conference. You know they had a. Big win over Tennessee and Kansas, but then they've lost last two and three, and they got swept by Texas Tech. You know, like obviously, yep. um, you know, he, the coach left Texas Tech to go to Texas, and then they got swept by him. It's kind of embarrassing, but what do you think this Texas team is fraudulent or for real? I think they are fraudulent. I think the numbers are a product of some good wins and playing in a really tough Big 12 conference, like you said. Like 12 quad one opportunities already, and it's probably going to get. I don't know. Let's take a look at their schedule. They their last four games of the season: quad two against TCU tonight, and then three quad one games to end the season. And then the Big Twelve tournament's going to be some quad one games on a neutral floor. So it's going to be what if it's twelve, if fifteen plus quad one games by the end of the season. So this is a team whose I think metrics have kind of been a reflection of that. A team that I think could very well get knocked off easily. I don't know what it's been with Marcus Carr, the inconsistency he's had coming from he's Minnesota. Yeah, he's had a I, I don't. You know, he was one of the best scorers in the country last year. I mean, Minnesota was just, it was, it was a great place for him. He goes to Texas, not the same for whatever reason. Obviously, their experience, they still have Andrew Jones. Um, obviously, his great story, surviving cancer, and now in his, I think, fifth year at Texas. But I don't think this Texas team is for real. I think Chris Beard's a great coach. I think he will kind of be in that Chris Beard state that we've been used to next season um, when he kind of has Getting a year under his belt in coaches, Austin. Yeah. 
But I think this is a Texas team that could get knocked off early, could make the second weekend, don't see him as a Final Four team. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously I don't think he regrets the decision at all, but it is no, like, no. all right, you left his, the His pockets aren't either. No, no, yeah, of course not. But you left the school, and obviously it was a very hostile environment when he back, back, went back to Texas Tech. But even at home, you lose that school again. He obviously doesn't regret the decision at all, but, you know, those are wins that, that you wish you had under your belt. I agree that Texas is fraudulent. I mean, they, they just haven't been able to beat they've, they've lost a lot of games that they should should have won in quad one not necessarily should have won but like these are those are teams that you need to beat come tournament time when you need to have that consistent consistent play for a, a long stretch and i haven't seen that from texas they haven't gone on any long win streaks or anything like that of, of beating quality opponents one after the other i think texas is fraudulent too and i think you're right that that doesn't mean it's not going to work with chris beard i truly believe it will he's a phenomenal coach but it's going to happen down the line. This is not Texas's year. I don't know where they're going to be ranked either. Maybe on that four line, probably. No, actually, maybe like five line. Where, where do you think Texas is going to see? I think it just really depends on what happens in, in the Big 12 tournament. Because this is a team that could easily win a Big 12 tournament. I yeah, think but I don't think so. I don't think they're going to go on a it, crazy it, it depends. It depends how the bracket shapes up. If they can, you know. Kansas, like, they're not beating Kansas and Baylor. They beat Kansas before. I don't think... I, or no, but they, in a big in a big yeah. twelve tournament setting, I don't know if I don't. Know uh, yeah, I've met, it, it's always a home game for for Kansas too. With that tournament yeah. in Kansas City, um, I think it, it really depends on the success they have in the Big Twelve tournament. I think I could see this team seated anywhere from a three to potentially as low as a, as a six. Yeah, that, um, yeah. if yeah. if they if they start to lose some games down the stretch, so we'll see. I think we're we're both in agreement that Texas is is fraudulent for now, um, not the team that. You know, I expected to win the Big 12 at the yeah. beginning of the season, but, you yeah. know, anything could happen down the stretch. Absolutely. And sometimes, sometimes you know, these teams do go on runs in, in their conference tournaments, and it doesn't necessarily transit March and, to March, and they're still an early out in March, and that's always interesting to keep an eye on. But, all right, so now we're going to um, get to some Wednesday night games. Uh, we're going to give you some picks. Um, there's a ton of games. You know, it's not the Tuesday night slate, but there's still a ton of great games. We're going to start with number seven, Duke, is at Virginia. This is a rematch from an earlier game where Reese Beekman hit a buzzer beater to beat Duke in Cameron Indoor. Um, obviously, Fonchero was completely shut down in the second half. I don't. I think he took one or two shots the entire second half. And he played Virginia, played all 20 minutes yeah, in the second half. And he only took one or two shots. Virginia was phenomenal defensively. They obviously won on that buzzer beater. Duke has won four in a row since. Virginia's lost two of their last, last three, including a loss to Virginia Tech. I don't think this this Virginia team is very good at all. And I fully expect Duke, even though they're on the road, I fully expect Duke. The line is minus five, according to DraftKings. But I fully expect Duke to just put their foot on the lever and blow out this Virginia team. Yeah, I don't know about blowout. Blowout, just, but I mean like 12, I, yeah, I 12 think, to I, I think I think Duke wins somewhere close in that range too. I agree. I think if you're Duke, you've won four in a row since then. You can't get swept by a, a Virginia team, obviously led by Tony Bennett, but this isn't this isn't a Virginia team no. that we've been used to. This is a team that's, you know, 82 in the net, projected outside of the tourney per bracket matrix. Some people have them near that bubble, but it's just, I just, I'm, I don't know. Virginia is not the Virginia that we've been used well, to this I year. I, it's going to be a hostile environment. There's no question yeah, about I mean, that. Virginia always Charles, shows so. up their crowd, but I just I think Virginia's on the outside looking. But but if you're Duke, point. if you're for real, like like we've talked about, you then you, then you Virginia. you can't you don't get swept in Virginia. You go into this game, you make a statement, and you win by probably ten plus. Yeah, no, that's what I expect. And if if we see a much closer game, somehow Virginia pulls off another upset. Number one, it really that's a this could be a huge opportunity for Virginia to pull off another 
big win. If they sweep Duke, I mean, it's good. Oh, and then you're, they, you're talking tournament. Yeah, and then yeah. you finish off the rest, the rest of this regular season strong. You know, this team could easily creep into the bubble. But I don't see that happening. I think Duke is too good, too talented. And this isn't this isn't a tournament Virginia team that we're, we've been accustomed to the last few years. Yeah, I think I think we're in the same uh, same sentiment there. All right, so now the next game we're going to get to is Xavier at number 11, Providence. Providence only favored by uh, minus two, according to DraftKings. You know, the first time they played, Providence won by three. That was at at Xavier. You know, Providence, that was one of the teams we talked about, Florida for real. After that game, they lost to Villanova, but it, was, it wasn't a bad loss. You know, Villanova no, they was better good. than them, but they really fought hard. Do we think Xavier can pull off the upset, or is Providence going to keep it rolling? Uh, Providence, uh, obviously, you know, well, well documented that they are, you know, the luckiest team in America. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, as as you say. And winning close games is something that they've, you know, had excelled in. Their only single digit loss this year was to Villanova yeah. at home, uh, but they did just barely beat Butler in overtime. I think we're gonna see Ed Cooley kind of get his his troops together, playing a little bit better than than we saw this past weekend, where you know they probably should have lost to Butler. Yeah. They were, they were down double digits yeah. at times. Um, and went and, to overtime. Yep, and Xavier's kind of been cold lately, four or five. Uh, it's a big game for them. You don't want to fall to seven and nine in the Big East, 17 and 10 uh, overall if you lose this game. Xavier's probably safely in as of now, but you don't want to trend towards that you know bubble status, especially when teams are kind of rising out of nowhere and there's potentially more bid stealers than ever this year. Um, I like Providence at home. Um, spreads to... It, it is crazy, by the way, how Providence is number 11 in the country. Before we take picks, we'll just talk about this, how Providence is only, you know, the 11th team in the country, but they're so poor analytically that the spreads yeah. are only two at home against an unranked and, opponent. And you look at them and you're like, oh, but and yes, that's two now, but also against Baylor, I believe it was like, well, who was favored? I believe it was like close to a pick when it was Providence versus Baylor. I mean, Butler, excuse me, not Baylor. I think it was it, close it was, to a pick was, and it was like the disrespect that Providence is getting. I mean, and obviously it was right. It ended, they won, but it was a very close game in overtime. Yeah, it's, it, it really is unbelievable to me. I guess the lines do make sense when you kind of take into factor what the analytics are yeah. and how Providence is number one in luck, however you want to take that. Um, Providence has been playing close games. I think I like... Can I go with a push here? Is it, you, yeah, did that, you did that did, last did. week. You did that last week. No, so I'm, I'm using I'm using my push here. You I like Providence, Providence by two. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think I think you're going to see a little bit of a, I hate to use the word desperate again, but a little bit of a desperate Xavier team, you know, kind of wanting to play their way in safely before, you know, solidify their spot before the Big East tournament starts. Yeah, no, I agree that Xavier, this is 100% a desperate Xavier team. That, like you said, they've lost four of the last five, and they really, and they're, you know, they're obviously secure as a tournament. Yeah, they're team, they're projected they're, as a seven right now for yeah, bracket matrix. Yeah, but, but they're they're also they're also like they're, they have a losing record in the big in the Big East. But by they're seven and eight right now. If they lose this game, they'd be seven and nine. So this is a desperate Xavier team that kind of wants to get back on track. But at the same time, Providence has something to prove. Even even though they're twelve and two in the Big East, they're they're the number eleven overall ranked team. You know they have something to prove because a lot of teams are looking at them like. This team is a little fraudulent. So they have something to prove, and I think they will tonight. I don't think this line is necessarily disrespectful because I expect it to be a great Big East battle, but I think Providence wins by around 4 or 5, and I think they cover that too. Yeah, that'd be a good sweep too. They won one at Xavier. Uh, when was that game? I don't know. I lost track of that, but 65-62. Yeah, I, rem- I remember watching that one. It was, it was, it was a great win for Providence and kind of you know, had a lot of people thinking they were legit at that point in time because – Xavier was was playing like a top 25 team for the majority of the season. Yeah, and all right, the last game we're going to get to is the Big Ten bubble game. We got Rutgers at Michigan. You know, 
Rutgers obviously has been playing phenomenal, especially at home. But this is on the road. This is Michigan's first game back. This is going to be very interesting. They have a few guys suspended. Obviously, their coach, Juwan Howard, will not be on the sidelines. It'll be Phil Martelli, like we talked about earlier. But both these teams, I think Rutgers is in. I think they've, not 100%, but I think they've pretty much secured, um, you know, unless something drastic happens, I think they've played well enough down the stretch of the season where they're on the, the right side of the bubble, but Michigan is not right now. So this can be a crucial game to decide it. Like, what do you think is going to happen tonight? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a quad one game for Rutgers also, just because it's, you know, Michigan's 33 in the net on the road. Rutgers beat them uh, back in early January by eight at home. Uh, in front of the hostile rack, which, you know, only Maryland has won at in the Big Ten. Yeah. But it's definitely an accomplishment. Hang the banner. Yeah, you have you have to take into account recency. Um, I think Rutgers, I mean, they sh- they're st- uh, like kind of back and forth on that bubble. I think they should be in. Obviously, they do have those losses to, what was it, UMass, uh, Lafayette, and then Maryland at Lafayette home. Lafayette Oh, quad three or four losses. So that is on the full body of work. I know Rutgers wishes they'd get rid of it. I know... I mean, obviously they can't. I think this is a game where you'll lose. There's not much harm. You fall to 16 and 11, 10 and 7 in the Big Ten Conference. You throw out all slim hopes of winning the conference out the window. Um, but if you win this game, if you're Rutgers, I think you have to. You have to be it in that case. And no, absolutely. It's and it's. It'd be 17 wins. Wouldn't finish with a losing record, and they'd have how many? How many quad one? Quad one win. It's a little tongue twister there. How many quad one wins do they have? Even though they're eighty in the net, they're five and three in quad one. It'd be their their sixth yeah. quad one win, and which would be incredibly incredible. And it matters how amazing they've been on their own home court. Like that's something that people look at too. And obviously, like we said, Maryland's the only Big Ten team that has beat them on their home court. So that that's impressive. The line of this game, I believe it's around five in favor of Michigan. Michigan yep. Um, you know. This is such a hard game to call because you have no idea how this Michigan team is going to show up post. The well, fight. they don't. They don't have. It's five and without Diabate's out. Yep. And I think Terrence yeah. Williams was suspended also. Was he? I forget. Um, yeah. No, I think you're right about those two. So I'm saying that it's so it's so hard to predict because you have no idea how either of these teams like how no how Michigan's going to show up. Like, are they going to fight for their coach? Are they going to have so much more energy and passion? Are they going to be like? Like, mad and angry. It's so hard to predict. It's interesting that Michigan's favored by five. You know, I think it's going to be a great game. Yeah. I think Rutgers I think Rutgers might lose by, like, two or three. And just just because Michigan's still talented, even without those guys. And Rutgers is much better at home than on the road. And it's also, Michigan needs this win. If Michigan loses this game, they're out. I mean, they have no shot. I agree. 14 the, and 12. And say tournament. Yep. It's it's going to be really tough. And Rutgers doesn't that. need it, but it would be a, it would pretty much solidify them being in. But they even if they lose at Michigan, they still have a nice path to make the tournament. Yeah, I totally agree. Just just looking at that first game, uh, when was that? January 4th. So a lot of time, obviously a lot of different things happening. Now Rutgers has only improved to 8 and 5 after that when Michigan was fell to 7 and 6. So now you're looking at two teams that are kind of squarely on that bubble. Lot different stakes this time around. Uh, Hunter Dickinson was a monster though. Last game uh, they played Rutgers back in January, twenty five points. I think you're going to see him come out with some fire, um, and I think you're going to see Phil Martelli bring out a great, great game plan. He said to the media, um, he was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not replacing Juwan Howard. I'm Phil Martelli. I'm going to do my own thing." Like, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, he is. So I think Philly basketball legend. So I think he's he's going to come out with a game plan. I think it's going to be a hostile environment in Ann Arbor and. I don't want to use the word desperation again, but there, there are two teams that do need a, a win of, here. It, it's, a it's, lot of it's, desperation. It's late February. Yeah, it, it, you it can use the word for every team pretty much because it's late February. All these bubble teams are talking about. There's desperation all over. But did you have a pick? Did you give a pick? Um, I like Rutgers to cover the spread, and I like Michigan by four. 
Michigan yeah. up, up a possession late. Uh, we'll, we'll go with a little Ron Harper miss down the stretch. Um, Dickinson grabs the rebound, gets fouled, goes to the line, sinks both. Yeah. Michigan by four. That's quite the detailed prediction. I'll, 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 I mean, I think you're right right around that. I think Rick Rutgers also covers. I think Michigan wins by like two or three. It should be a, a very close game. You know, we, we, we went chalk a lot. Or like we, This isn't necessarily chalk, but we had the same predictions last the last two weeks, but I think we've been doing pretty well if you go back and, and, and check the records. Yeah, we're, um, we're going to need someone to, to do that for us. And, and yeah, at some point. We tweet, will. Tweet, it, tweet it out. <laughs> and we'll have a lot. Once the conference <laughs> tournament's around, when March Madness is here, we'll have we, a lot we, more we'll, picks. We'll get our records out by then. Absolutely. But all right, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Collegiate House Podcast, Episode 3 on the Testudo Times Podcast Network. I'm Sam Austria alongside Ben Dixon. We will see you next week.